as entrepreneurs, we all want to make a difference. We want to take care of the people we love, the causes we care about, and make that small difference in the world. And I've got a remarkable entrepreneur that I'm going to share with you who's doing just that. And it's going to really at a young age is making a huge difference. But he's lived an awful lot of life in a relatively short period. And he's got some great life lessons to help you not only accelerate your success even more, but make that little dent in the universe, as Steve Jobs says. I'm John Bowen, co-founder of AES Nation. Stay tuned. You do not want to miss this. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep. Think bold. Drive hard. Watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com So excited to have you here, Cole Hatter. I had the good fortune to meet you at Mastermind Talk with our good friend Jason, and uh, it was an extremely good conversation, a lot of alignment in so many different things, and, and you are making a difference on so many uh, areas. So first of all, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. It's uh, good to see your face again, and uh, I'm looking forward to this chat, bro. Well, let's, let's dive in. You know, one of the things that I was so impressed with, Cole, is, you know, not only meeting you, but looking at your background, uh, what you've done already, it, it, it's just, it's huge. And uh, there's so many life lessons, but I wanna, you know, you didn't start out that way. You started out really going in a, you know, a great direction, you know, public service and that, but then life, you know, like so many of us intruded and just made a huge difference. Maybe give us a little backstory because this is gonna be so important in the life lessons we wanna share. Yeah, so I started my career as a firefighter uh, while still in high school. In the evenings and on the weekends, I went to a junior college to take care of all my prerequisites to get into the fire academy so that when I graduated high school and most of my friends were then going off to college, I had already done what I needed to do, went right into my fire academy and started working with the department at 19 years old. And like you said, I had my whole life figured out. I knew exactly what I would do, put in my 30 years at that department, do my public service as a firefighter, retire with my pension, benefits, and live on easy street and then life as you said kind of got in the way uh, i was in a really bad car accident where i was ejected from the car and i actually had to be lifted via a helicopter to the hospital because they didn't think i'd survive in an ambulance and um had to move after that accident after i was released from the hospital I had to move back into my parents home because i was so hurt at 21 years old i was so hurting in a wheelchair for a while that they literally had to care for me and uh, not knowing what my full recovery would be, it looked like for that time firefighting was out because you certainly can't be a firefighter from a wheelchair. Um, and so I needed to start looking, okay, well, uh, depending on what my physical recovery will, what other options do I have? And uh, I looked at you know the, the things that would be available to me with potential physical disabilities. And uh, I'd always had an interest in owning my own business. I always figured, hey, once academy and get through my rookie year and kind of get settled and into a cadence and a routine on my off days, which is one of the perks of firefighting. You have these rotating schedules. I'll probably start some side hustle, some business. And now that firefighting was out of the picture, I said, well, screw it. I guess I just got to triple down on that. And that's, uh, that was the beginning of this entrepreneurial career, I guess, as far as legitimately, I was, I had some side hustles as a child, right? Going door to door and selling things. But the first time I actually had an entity and paid taxes, still a business owner was at 21. And 
Uh, originally, it was just supposed to be a season of while I was healing physically that I would have some type of income coming in and then we'd see where I got and then go back to the fire service, but ended up doing well enough and loving it. That's what I've done for the last 12 years. It's been since those accidents and uh, have started, I don't know, probably 30 companies and 26 have failed miserably, but the four that are working have worked well enough to cover the losses on the failures and keep me going forward. And I'm winning right now. So uh, that's that's really it. That was 12 years condensed down into one minute. No, that's great, Cole. And, you know, it's one of the things that so many of us, you know, I always like that line that, you know, life intrudes and it does yeah. hit so hard and, you know, personal and business. And, you know, we, we can't plan for that. And, you know, when I was asking, you know, as we were getting prepared for the interview and I was asking, you know, I want to get five lessons and, you know, that 12 years that you had, I, I thought, you know, as a financial guy, the, the first one you shared is really important. And, and we have so many successful entrepreneurs on this, but we can forget this lesson at no matter what level of wealth we have. And uh, you know, it was you know, number one, uh, <laughs> don't invest money you can't afford to lose. Give me a yes. little bit of your thoughts on this. So my first business and longest running business is real estate investing. Uh, that's what I started at 21. So the first few months after my accident, I was completely incapacitated. I mean, I had to be carried around to the toilet and stuff. And uh, once I started physically recovering, I had to walk with a little walker out in my parents' cul-de-sac uh, to get my legs back. And, and by the way, I'm sitting in a chair now, but I'm totally healthy. As you know, I'm, I walk around fine. And But for anyone who no, you, might not you, know. You, you definitely look in good shape and you were moving thanks. pretty quickly there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm good now. But still, one day I was out in the cul-de-sac using my little walker, you know, getting my strength back. And my parents' next door neighbors were in real estate state uh, as on the retail side. Uh, the husband was a broker, the wife was an agent, and they kind of opened my eyes to the power of real estate. The more I looked into it, the more I found that wealthy people have something to do with real estate, whether they make their money in a different industry like you did, or they make their money in real estate. One thing that I was finding all wealthy people have is real estate. And I said, okay, obviously that's a real common denominator of the wealthiest people. I want to pursue that. I started investing in real estate. The year was 2005 when I started. And uh, it, the economy was booming, real estate was booming. I made money hand over fist only because I was in the right place at the right time. I had no idea what I was doing. But when you would buy a house and it would go up cent in value, uh, I mean, some paint and carpet on that bad boy. And here in Southern California, where I live, those could be six figure profits. So I'm now from 21 to 24 years old, every now and then having a six figure month. I wasn't making seven figures yet, that happened later. But you know, having these closings where in one month I'd have a deal closed that paid me 120 grand. I was freaking the richest of any 22 year old I knew. And of course, like an idiot, I was buying Escalades and wakeboard boats and being, and being, being a retard with it. Right. But so bottom line is I, uh, got big boy britches and thought I was something special and had the opportunity to invest in a commercial piece of real estate, a 200 unit apartment building. And I was like, Oh, I got this and uh, put everything I had and didn't have into it. I uh, raised about a million dollars of friends and family's money, and uh, we, we all went in, and um, a, a lot of that money was mine and my family's, but I'm talking aunts, uncles, and friends. A million bucks cash, bought this property, and uh, the gentleman that put the deal together uh, misrepresented who he was and what he could do, and uh, he ended up in federal prison, and we ended up losing all of our money. And... Uh, so, you know, no pointing fingers. I'm a big boy investor. I decided to write that check. Uh, however, even though that guy went to prison, it didn't give me my money back. And so now I'd lost every dollar I had, plus my friends and family lost their money too. 
um, in this first deal. And you would think that would be enough to learn my lesson, but there are two or three other examples of where I went all in and uh, it didn't really work out and then even borrowed money. You know, Warren Buffett talks a lot about the leverage or the principle of leverage and that's that's good. Um, but not in a crashing economy when you're over leveraged and it's now 2008. So, um, I learned pretty quickly. Okay. Uh, you can't invest money. You can't afford to lose. And on my rebound back starting about 2011 was when I reengaged and, and went on to make my millions. Um, I definitely was much more cautious of investing money that if it never came back, the quality of my life wouldn't be impacted. So, one thing, and then this is, you know, I am a real estate investor by trade, but even someone like you that made their money in, in the financial service industry or, or elsewhere, again, there are all types of investments, real estate, commodities, you know this, there are all types of vehicles out there. Uh, be careful to invest money you can afford. There's a lot of people, our friend Jason, I don't know if you saw, he posted this on Facebook that he just got his butt kicked in cryptocurrency. It's the new uh, fad. I, I did see it. Yeah, do you I, see that post? Yeah. And he's like, well, I just took a freaking beating. And so yeah. uh, lucky for him, that was money he could afford to lose. And so um, definitely if you're going to invest in things, whether it's cryptocurrency, actual real estate, like tangible commodities like gold and silver or whatever, just make sure you're using money that if it never came back, you would still be able to support yourself, provide for yourself, and that the quality of your life would continue. No, I mean, it, you know, I this is one I think most entrepreneurs have a story like this, and this is this is so good of advice. And and one of the things you got to be careful. You did it, you know, early on. I'm going to give you credit for that. I did it a little later when I was making millions, and uh, we thought it'd be really cool to see how you could leverage up in the '80s. I built an office building where. Uh, four of us just put a hundred bucks each into building it and borrowed six million dollars. Nice. Uh, beautiful office building. We got it done. We, we moved in, got an offer for just short of eight million dollars. And, you know, we go, no, not yet. It's Silicon Valley. Everything's going to go up. Uh, the uh, stock, ref uh, the uh, 86 tax reform, stock market crash right at that time, too, in 87. And all of a sudden, our building was worth four and a half million. And we were just going to do the takeout loan. And, you know, for some reason, the bank wouldn't honor their commitments. Yeah. The, the takeout loan wasn't good. And all of a sudden, I'm putting cash. We couldn't rent it out and all that. And, well, make the long story short, it was one of the worst. Every week, the bank's calling me to take it out. We're making the interest payment, but not the... Uh, principal. The, the principal. And they want their money because it's a takeout. You know, and we're saying honor the commitment and just going to court and the best thing that could ever happen they went under before we did oh, <laughs> and nice. we ended up buying the loan back in uh from a private equity guy who bought this was the rtc which is very similar to 2008 2009 so that was the hardest hundred and fifty thousand dollars i ever made in my life and and the the, the point i want to bring up and you know really cool has brought it up well is you know there's no reason you know it, to, to bet everything. I mean, right. you know, particularly as you're, you're building your wealth, you know, just be smart on this stuff. It's okay to be leveraged. And obviously there's a lot of capital out there now to do that, but to be really smart about it because, you know, we're, we're building businesses, we're investing for quality of life, not for more money, not for more business. And, you know, the people you love, the causes you care about, there's nothing worse than explaining to your loved ones, your families, as you did, Cole, you know, what happened? And we right. don't want to do that. Now, one of the things I do love, though, is that number two is 
triple down on your strengths. I mean, this is where you don't triple down on your losses, triple down on your strength and outsource the rest. What are right. we talking about here? So, and we actually uh, brought him up, Mr. Michael Gerber, the author of The E-Myth. And um, I spent the majority of my career, I'm trying to guess, probably nine of the 12 years I've been an entrepreneur as what Michael Gerber t calls a technician in his book, The E-Myth. For anyone who's unfamiliar with that book, uh, basically a solopreneur, someone who does everything, maybe like a bookkeeper who went to college, got their accounting degree, and instead of going and working in a finance department of a business, they decided to become a bookkeeper and drive to people like you and my homes and offices to do our weekly bookkeeping for us. And at first it sounds like fun. Oh, I don't have a boss. I've got all this freedom. But as their client base grows, they start working five, six, seven days a week. 10, 12 hours a day to service their clients because they are the only person in their business. They personally show up. They personally do the work. And so for a lot of people listening to this right now, you might find yourself in that technician role where you are self-employed. You don't have a boss yet. You are the only person in your business and you're exchanging kind of time for dollars in essence. And if anything were to happen to you, maybe not as dramatic as my car accident, but you even got really sick for a couple of weeks and couldn't show up to your clients to do their bookkeeping or whatever your, your product or service is, you're completely out of income. And so I spent nine years uh, with my father as my business partner. So there was two of us splitting the workload, but still there was just the two of us. We would have contractors renovating our houses and realtors selling them, but those, they didn't work for me. They're, you know, independently contracted to do the work or sell the house. As far as the day-to-day -day grind of 100% of the operational efforts and literally running the whole company was on our shoulders. And not only is that a guaranteed way to plateau, because we're all only capable of so much output. Some of us have insane work ethic like Gary Vaynerchuk. Others of us are like your neighbor up there in, in the Bay Area, Tim Ferriss with the four-hour work week who want to work less than more. But all of us I have do, our. I do know Tim reasonably well, and he works more than four hours. I <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, things have changed. Um, but still, that that whole concept of of automating, systemizing, and removing yourself from your business, which is a lot of what he talks about in the four hour work week, versus Gary, who very proudly says, "I work seven days a week, eighteen hours a day." You know, uh, we're all only capable of so much, and so I, it wasn't arrogance like that. I thought I could do it the best. It was ignorance. So it wasn't arrogance like, Hey, I'm the best. So I can't hire people. It was ignorance and not understanding how to run a business. And so the things that I was mediocre at, I was spending all my time trying to get better at to still only be maybe average at it where there could be someone else. Like, let's talk finance. For instance, I'm at, I'm at my home office right now. Um, but if I were at my real office, I have a whole finance team. Now I'm not, uh, I'm not bad at math. I know how to do, uh, you know, my payroll and my accounts receivables and payables. And I understand spreadsheet. I just hate it. It's just not for me. Uh, and so instead of me working with QuickBooks and then spending weeks of time collectively throughout the year on the phone, with my CPA, figuring out how to get my maximize my tax deductions and all that crap of literally making it a part-time job of me to run all the finances and tax preparation and, and wealth strategizing. Cause when you start making a lot of money, Uncle Sam really likes their, their, their more than their fair share. So of setting up things that might interest you, like self-directed retirement accounts and, and my maximum contributions there, and then my company matching 25% of my income. And all of that is like a part-time, almost full-time job. And so I outsource that now. Instead of me trying to be a mediocre finance guy, I have a CFO who does all of that and magically, poof, my bills are paid. I mean, I don't even pay for my own cell phone anymore. Like I'm almost a child again where all my bills are magically paid for me 
my only role when it comes to money is making more of it and it all magically goes where it needs to go. So that's one specific example to me of where instead of me working on trying to learn QuickBooks and watching YouTube videos, explaining it all and all that crap, someone just handles it for me. And that gives me so much more bandwidth back to do what I am awesome at, to go out and build a business and make more money. So another lesson I learned the hard way, it took me nine years before I hired my first true employee, um, was don't do everything, triple down your strengths, outsource the rest. No, this is great, Cole. And you know, one of the things I like is, you know, I, I always think about it that most education is on, you know, how to make your weaknesses strong. And, you know, the, the yeah. last thing you want to do is finish your career with really strong weaknesses. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, you know, you only need to be good at one or two things. I always like Dan Sullivan's strategic coach, you know, find that unique ability that you have. And we all have some unique ability that we can monetize. And there's so many talented people in the world and the ability to create networks and with technology. Um, I don't have, you know, my real office is a global uh, headquarters. It's my pool house in Silicon Valley. And it's like, what? in my last business, I had 400 employees. I don't want to do that anymore. Whatever right. structure you have. And, and one of the things I, I do want to emphasize that you said, Cole, was, you know, it's outsourcing you know, not only the business function, but a lot of the personal things too. I mean, yeah. you know, let's, you know, we can make life really powerful so that we can focus on those things, you know, when we're in business, how we're gonna get the biggest impact and in our life, really enjoying it as well. I have a little formula for your listeners. Here's what I followed and this worked well for me. Uh, Cause so, so you gotta outsource, where do you start? Well, I would number one, outsource the things you hate to do. Uh, all of us love business. We're entrepreneurs. We have that sickness called entrepreneurism that we just can't get rid of, <laughs> where we put ourselves through all the torture to then hopefully work out loving our lives better than it would have been, right? Work. Mm -hmm. But uh, bottom line is outsource what you hate. And then number two, outsource what you're weak at. You just talked about that. But so um, the things I hated to do, I outsourced first. The things that I wasn't strong at, I outsourced second. And now literally, I only am left with what I love doing and what I'm good at. And I've never enjoyed business more than I do right now. Uh, you know, it's, it's Monday morning as of recording this with you. And I don't have the Monday gloom like, Oh no, there's a full week. Like I'm excited. Some of the most exciting things in our business are happening right now. And my only role is what I kick ass at and what I really love doing. No, and, and, and I gotta say, if you're not that way, then be that way. I mean, the, the reality is so many of the things we hate doing don't cost that much to outsource. Oh, That's totally. the craziest part of it. Let's let's go to number three, which is know the difference between inconsequential uh, and you know the other stuff. Those co the the consequential uh, moments in life, and you know they they kind of all come at us, and it's hard to sort through these. How do we do that? So this is a lesson from my mentor. His name's Than Merrill. Guy makes you know north of three hundred million a year in his businesses. He's worth personally over hundred million. The guy's a rock star. He's in his thirties. And uh, he taught me this, that there's only two moments in life, inconsequential and defining moments. Almost always it's inconsequential. What shirt am I going to wear? What am I eating for lunch? Uh, you know, what, what type of ice cream am I going to order? And then every now and then there are those defining moments. And a defining moment is the thing that no matter what you say, think, or do, everything in your life will change. And where a lot of people, a lot of people get it backwards. They're, they're at 31 flavors, Baskin Robbins or whatever, and there's just need to order what flavor ice cream they want. And they sit there for 30 minutes sweating it out like it's the final supper and they'll never get to eat again. 
And then they're making these defining moments like, do I want to quit my job and start a business or do I want to get this business partner or these huge lifelong decisions where just depending on how they feel in the moment, oh yeah, I'll marry this person. We have fun. And so much heartache, lost opportunity, lost income, uh, and really uh, angst for people are a result of the decisions they made, right? And we all have to take ownership. I can't decide what hair color I have or what eye color, but I do make the decisions that impact the quality of life I'm having, who I chose to marry, where I choose to live. Those are all my choices. And a lot of people have the pointing finger victim mentality, but we all got to point thumbs and say, even if you have an a-hole boss that you hate, you chose to work there and take the job. And so when we acknowledge and take responsibility that our decisions are our own, then that's step one. Step two is when it comes to a decision that we need to make, just stop for a second and say, okay, the outcome of this, is it going to impact the quality of my life where no matter what I say, think, or do, everything changes? And if not, then don't give it a lot of attention. Uh, back to the Silicon Valley, Mark Zuckerberg only wears gray shirts all day every day because he says he doesn't even want to use any effort in choosing his outfit. Uh, there's this thing called, back to Tim Ferriss, decision fatigue that I, I heard him talk about on his podcast where it's scientifically proven every day you only get so many decisions until you hit what's called decision fatigue. And so, so many people spend so much effort and create decision fatigue around business or life decisions that really aren't important. And then all of a sudden, these huge defining moments fall on our lap and we're almost in the habit of these inconsequential moments where we don't give it any more attention. So, uh, that was a lesson a very, it's like a, maybe a 40 minute lesson condensed into four minutes. But what I would encourage the listener to do is number one, acknowledge that decisions, our life is the result of the decisions we make. Uh, Tony Robbins says it, the decisions we made yesterday are the life we live today. So the decisions we live today are the life we live tomorrow. So acknowledge decisions are important. And then knowledge, acknowledge that the decisions we make are either inconsequential or defining. So then take a second before we decide to determine whether it is inconsequential or defining. And if it's inconsequential, don't stress. Just pick it and go. If the ice cream doesn't taste good, order a new one. You'll be okay. And if it's a defining moment, then that's where you want to spend your energy, your emotion, and your bandwidth really making sure you're thinking that through. I got to say, Cole, I haven't heard that before. And I think that is, you know, that's one of those that is extremely powerful that sounds like you know kind of a, a thought flipped out and it's like no no you know i mean yeah, we've all been with people we're at a restaurant and they're taking forever and oh yeah and, and it's like you know just buy three things i mean they've got plenty of money it doesn't make any difference i'll buy right. and you know and really some of the most important decisions are are made too quickly and, and totally really separate that one of the things that uh, you and I both are lifelong learners, and uh, you know the uh, we were got talking before we turned on the cameras, and the power number four, the power of ten dollars, and uh, why don't you kind of expand on that as well? Yeah, so I see right over your right shoulder a bunch of books right there, and mine's the opposite. My my computer monitor's here on both sides are is my library of books here, and yeah, what we were talking about is. Uh, in my 12 years of entrepreneurship, I've invested about 300 grand into my personal development, much of that in the later years when I had the money to do so. And huge, I mean, I, I forget, it was like a, maybe a $10,000 event that I met you at, I don't even remember yes, what he charged. I think about 10. Yeah, Jason. 10, somewhere around there. So, so those things are huge. And I look at my 12 years of investing several hundred thousand to myself, which a $300,000 investment to make millions of dollars, cool, I'm ROI positive. I've probably read about 150 books 
uh, in those 12 years, business books, nonfiction, just like do this, do this, do this four hour work week, um, e-myth we've talked about, there's two. And if I've got to compare the impact the 300,000 has made and the lessons that I've used in my business and, and learned and applied to the 150 books that maybe I spent $2,000 on, what is 150 books? Maybe $2,000 on, man, they're pretty comparable of the, the lessons, the actionable step-by-step items that I've implemented in my life or my business from the $2,000 and 150 books read than the $300,000 of in-person events like where I met you or personal coaching. You know, I have a, I have a life coach, business coach, et cetera. And so uh, the life lesson or, or lesson number four is to read more. It sounds almost cliche, kind of like, oh man, Cole, I, I've been hearing this since kindergarten to read. Uh, and I get it. And, I, and I'm not a strong reader, just so everyone knows. I've got crazy ADHD. There'll be, I'll literally read every word on a page, but I'm thinking about wakeboarding or surfing. And I then have to get to the bottom of the page and go back to the top and reread it. Cause my, even though my brain was reading the words, I was thinking about something else. And so like, it's not like I'm an avid reader that it's just effortless and I'm a speed reader and I go through a book a day, you know, but, um, I really, a life lesson I learned is to read more. I challenge myself to try to read a book a week. I want to try to read 50 books this year. I'm, I'm, the year is more than halfway over and I'm only at about 18 books. So I'm going to have to have a really busy second half of this year. But uh, I think it's really important from my perspective to, to share with people who may be a beginner entrepreneur and might not have millions of dollars that get to look at us going to you know, these events. And you said that you invest over six figures a year into yourself even now. Um, right. And, and Mm -hmm. you also shared that you've sold your business and you're kind of in the sweet golden years of retirement where you get to do whatever you want, yet you're still investing that much money into yourself. So we have the means to do that. And there's a lot of beginners that say, well, Cole, I can barely pay rent. How am I going to invest 300,000 on myself? I'm telling you pound for pound. I think a book is a better investment. I, I spent like I said, 2000 on books to get as much impact as I have on 300,000. Now the relationships are important. I wouldn't have met you if I didn't spend the 10 grand or whatever it was. So if we're measuring it based on relationships, you know, there, there's a, the, definitely the, the ways. No, the knowledge transfer. I mean, I, I totally That's agree it, yeah. with this is that, you know, the free videos, the, uh, on YouTube, you know, I, I've, I've written 20 books. I've got a partner who's written 50 books this year. We'll write probably about five together. And we're in kind of a big thought leadership with uh, a few businesses we're building. And so, I mean, I love the power of books. Uh, the, I, uh, I read like crazy. I read usually about a book a week, uh, a business book, nonfiction. And, and there's just so many ideas because I know when I write a book uh, or I'm co-author of a book, uh, we're putting our best ideas out. It's not like we're holding back and you can come, you know, I, I, I do, I don't do as much, but I used to do these two day uh, forum workshops for corporate clients and, you know, we charge a hundred thousand dollars for it. And, you know, really we delivered what was in the $10 book and right. yeah, you got the networking, the relationships, you heard other people thinking about it, you know, in the processing, you could ask questions, but you know, there's no better value for knowledge transfer than a book. But let's right. go to you know number five. Now that we've got the knowledge, we've got all these other life lessons, and we're making some serious uh, money. Is how do we make money matter? I mean, this yeah. So, and we shared this before this started too. That this is kind of a, a place that a lot of entrepreneurs find themselves in. I made a ton of money. Then the recession came. I lost it all because I was only making money in real estate and was over leveraged. We shared that. Uh, I went through about a two year 
just survival mode, actually moved to Mexico and lived in Mexico for seven months just volunteering at a nonprofit. I was like, screw it. I can't make money anymore. I might as well be productive with my time and lived full time on the campus of a nonprofit and built houses for homeless families in Mexico and also started my own orphanage in Mexico that I still have to this day. And while I was down there, I saw how I had such little money left. I was living off of my savings. You know, I, I turned my back on America, not on America, but like I turned my back on business, moved out of America and was just living off my savings. And a few hundred dollars a week was feeding 23 kids in my orphanage. And I became obsessed with seeing my money now matter where as opposed to putting new rims on a car or whatever, which I still have cars and, and a huge fan of. I, in addition to that, was taking some of that money and feeding hungry children. And there's this saying out there that money can't buy happiness. And I say, I totally disagree. Feed a starving child with your own money and tell me you don't feel happier about that, right? There's not a person in the world that's fed a starving child and felt like crap afterwards. And so if you believe that money can't buy happiness, it's just that you're only shopping in the wrong place. Now, to be clear, this doesn't mean you don't get the stuff. We're huge car lovers and I have my dream cars and you have yours too. But if that's all you think money's for, you're missing out on the fun of having wealth. And so what I found down in Mexico, living off my savings was that making money matter was the most fun thing for me to do with my money. Cars are great, homes are great, vacations are great, but feeding starving children did something to my soul that no car ever has. So I ended up after seven months moving back to America, restarted my businesses, started a few others, then went on to make millions. I had not made a million bucks in a year prior to that. Once I came back, I've made over a million dollars a year or several since every year and um, I do it in businesses that I call for purpose business models where they don't just make money, they make a change. Uh, there's uh, right up there in the Bay Area, there's this headphones called Listen, LSTN, that was founded by a woman named Bridget, where for every pair of headphones you buy, and they're comparable to like Beats by Dre, right? They're, they're high-end headphones. For every pair of headphones you buy through the Starkey Foundation that they've partnered with, they help a child hear. They give a hearing aid or, or a procedure to a child who can't hear so they can hear. And so now you've got this company that's grabbing market share, competing with Skull Candy and Beats and all these different headphone manufacturers, yet they're the only ones that when I do business with them, they make the world a better place and they're gobbling up market share and there's all this con global consumer reports that show uh, consumers are migrating over and leaving name brands to go and do business with companies that have some social impact uh, built into it. And, um, and so that's what I started. Our businesses that all of them don't just make money, they make a difference. And when we're having quarterly reviews on earning statements, we don't just look at the bottom line of how much dollars we're making. The, we're looking at the bottom line of how much impact we're making. And uh, you know, I think that that's a part of why I've made more money now because there's a bigger reason to do it. I have huge goals of what I want to be able to give, and um, uh, it's it's done so well that you know we have our event where we teach other entrepreneurs how to do the same thing, how to take existing businesses and adapt a for-purpose model or create for-purpose businesses from the ground up. And you know, it's it's instead of being a, a consumer capitalist. It's more of being a philanthropic entrepreneur that have this difference, this dent, as you called it, that we want to make in the universe and then use our businesses to solve those world problems or issues. You know, it's interesting, Cole. One of the things that we do a lot of research on entrepreneurs and when we survey and we ask, you know, do you want to become more wealthy? You know, not surprising, it's 99% uh, want to become seriously wealthy. And then we ask why, and the biggest reason is 94% is for the people they love. They want to take care of their family, their friends, and so on. 
But um, what was surprising to me was the magnitude of what we're talking about here is 70% want to really be, uh, are passionate about the causes they care about. And about 12% want to change the world. And so, you know, whatever it is that you want to do is to really think about that. I, I had a smile on my face as you were telling your story. I have a very good friend who taught me about, really, about being uh, charitable. He, he started a, a, a extremely successful Dan Wheeler with Dimensional Funds. And Dan started a couple orphanages in Guatemala. Nice. And, and I remember, and Dan was a single guy and, you know, played life hard and, and still does. And, you know, great guy. He's married now, but he was a great guy. And he, uh, you know, I go, Dan, I, I'd never suspected this of you. And why'd you do it? He says, John, there's something amazing getting up in the morning and having a hundred kids praying for your success in your life. Wow. And, you know, hanging, and he loved going down. He went down quarterly and visited. And, you know, and it, that really started a big charitable and, you know, and from my standpoint as well, and this is where we forget how big a difference. I've seen so many entrepreneurs have a struggle with money and the relationship with it. And once you start realizing the power, you know, that whatever you want, difference you want to make and whatever you're, you care about, you can influence it tremendously. And, mm -hmm. you know, people want to help you do it. Let, let's go to resources uh, for a second. And I want to go back to, and let me pull up, uh, Cole. Uh, I'm going to put up uh, the time of the recording. You know, we're, we're uh, a little before your Thrive uh, event in Las Vegas for 2017, but this has turned out to be an annual event. Maybe tell us a little bit about what you're doing here and how it comes together. Yeah, so this September 29th through October 1st, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, out in Las Vegas, Nevada, we're hosting our annual event. Like you said, it's a three-day business conference, and so our audience are entrepreneurs and career professionals. Uh, but definitely in the world of business, to learn from some of the brightest minds in the world, uh, people like Gary Vaynerchuk, Robert Hershevec from Shark Tank, Grant Cardone. Uh, this year we have Les Brown, Kevin Harrington, um, Jay Abraham, just absolute icons in the world of business, multiple New York Times bestselling author, thought leaders, right, that come together and there's no fluff. Um, you know, I talk to all of them and go over their notes and their talks and almost all of them create custom talks for Thrive because a lot of these professional speakers just say the same thing. It's 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 a canned talk that they just travel around and give and I say, not here, here's what my audience needs. So it's, it's always fresh content of teaching literally what works in business today. Not like, hey, here's what feels good and close your eyes and visualize. It's like two plus two equals four, do this. Here's how you set up this. Here's the phone number to call here. And we teach people about 70% of the weekend actionable, practical steps of how to make money. And then that other 30% is me and a few of the other speakers teaching the four purpose business model where, okay, cool, you now know how to get rich. Let me save you the favor of having to learn like John did and I did and so many other entrepreneurs that just making millions of dollars isn't enough because if having money made people happy, then every person with money would be happy, yet you can see so many people who have money and aren't happy. The other 30% is here's how to build businesses around a cause so that you can feel rewarded at the end of the year that you didn't just make money or hit income goals. Like I said earlier, you made the impact in the world you want to make. And so we've only done it two years. This is our third year, but 
We've had articles in Inc., Forbes, Huffington Post, Entrepreneur.com, and others saying that it's the number one must-attend event for business owners, which is a huge honor to be a no, you know, brand new to the event space and have everyone already say we're the best. And uh, it is, again, for people that want to take their careers or their businesses to the next level by learning actionable step and then putting it inside a model to, that does, like I said earlier, more than just make money. It, it makes a difference. And, um, you know, a lot of uh, Jason, who who's how we met, is going to be speaking there, Jason Gaynard. And uh, just, just we have 26 speakers this year who are just absolutely phenomenal men and women who, like I said, have made millions of dollars and now are passionate about teaching us how to do the same. Yeah, it's uh, it's an unbelievable lineup, and if you can go, you know, make sure to attend. And let me last thing here, I want to pull up uh, Cole. I've got your Make Life Matter, your personal website. Tell us a little bit about what's there. So on my uh, ColeHatter.com website, um, it's kind of dormant. I got to do some updating to be honest. But uh, having escaped death twice, I talked about my car accident. There was another accident I didn't share. Uh, where in both accidents, I nearly lost my life and uh, others did lose their lives. So I didn't share that earlier. Uh, but in that car accident, um, I survived. Not everyone did. And then later I got in another accident where I survived. Not everyone did. So I'm really sensitive to time. Uh, I believe I'm on borrowed time twice. And so the late, the make life matter thrive is about make money matter. And that's my business's theme or my, my conference's theme. My life theme personally is make life matter. And you know, you only get one at that, uh, regardless if you believe in reincarnation or that you just die and become dirt or whatever, the life that we have right now is the only shot at this life we have. And so I just really want to champion the idea that we have to make it count that, uh, the world has taught us that we should be safe and cushy and comfortable and just tiptoe to our graves and arrive safely without anyone noticing. And I say, what a sad waste of life that was. Why don't we do things that do matter, that does make a difference, so that when our time goes on to whatever people believe happens next, I have my beliefs and they can have theirs. But regardless of what that belief system is, that we are desperately missed because the work we were doing in the world with the time we had was so meaningful. And so that's who I am as a person. Uh, and what I like to encourage people to consider is that many of us say, oh, someday when I have enough money or someday when I'm successful enough, I'll start doing work that matters. That someday may never come. Start now. Uh, really powerful, Cole. And I want to thank you. Uh, let me go to my uh, the key takeaways. And remember, you can always get all of this at AES Nation. Uh, the show notes, the transcription, and, and I, I um, really think this has been a powerful interview, and Cole you know, has given us some great insights. I mean, number one, it's a, as a financial guy, I, I got to tell you, I've met with so many people when I was a financial advisor who have made tens of millions, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars, and pretty much lost it all. Mm -hmm. there, there's absolutely, you know, I, I can still remember you know, a young fellow uh, who was really successful in high tech and I was trying to get him, let's just take some of the chips off the table. And I had the privilege of working at very high end in sports, entertainment and technology uh, with some you know, 600 of probably most people would know two thirds of the name. So it's, you know, people make a lot of mistakes along the way. Don't, that, don't let that one be yours. Number two, double down, triple down, quadruple down on your strength. You know, whatever the unique ability, everything else outsource, whether it's your internal team of employees or your external, you know, build a life. You know, we're building a business or multiple businesses to support the quality of life that we want for all stakeholders. 
And in your enlightened self-interest, you've got to make sure you take care of that. Know the difference. You were talking about these moments. There's these defining moments. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about strawberry or chocolate, ice cream. I mean, it's, <laughs> totally. It's, yeah, it's going to happen. And, you know, no matter where you are, the power of books is just unbelievable. And and then, you know, the, the, the thing that I think there's this turning point as we have wealth and I see it. I, I've had the privilege of working with many billionaires and we do a lot of research on the super rich, the 500 million and above. And my partner and I consult in that space a lot. And, you know, they, they the vast majority are very charitably minded and they use money to, to make a difference but you don't need to have that much money. And, you know, one of the, the ways I thought it was really powerful, Cole, you know, the, you can buy happiness. You can buy a smile really quickly from, you know, some disadvantaged person that right. you help out and give that helping hand along the way. It's not that as entrepreneurs, you know, I'm going to say you don't owe it to do this. You owe it to yourself to do it, to really make a difference and have fun doing it. So, Cole, again, thank you very much. It's been a great interview. Note, show notes, everything, AES Nation. Take these five lessons, your clients, your customers, your future clients, and most importantly, you and your family doing it. It's going to make a huge difference. Wish you the best of success. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com